Welcome to Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. From controlling temperature and humidity in buildings and food plants to restoring critical documents like x-rays and rare books, we're here to explore the challenges and solutions for interior climate management and remediation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We've got some big picture trends to break down on the show today. Before we get into the meat of the conversation, though, I want to make sure you're caught up on all of our previous thought leadership, plus making sure you don't miss out on future content. So head to our website, Polygon Group. Dot com. Again, polygongroup.com, as well as subscribe to Ideal Conditions on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for that full catalog of previous conversations and notifications when we drop new ones. All right, folks, so let's get into it. Today's episode is analyzing the impact of one of the built environment's most transformational trends in the last several decades, and that would be the broader green building movement. Now, sustainable architecture and building practices have a long and cultured history, right? It's not like it just began 30 years ago, but the last 30 years or so of energy behind rethinking modern construction to prioritize things like sustainability in materials, processes, equipment, and technology have given rise to some new market forces that are pushing the industry to embrace sustainability as a business model and to embrace it uh, in all aspects of the construction process, therefore setting new standards for the entire industry. So with our guest today, we're going to be going over some of those core practices that have gained traction in the industry and why. We're going to break down how this has led to specific strategies around new building development, renovations, maintenance, and day-to-day use, and how this push towards sustainability has impacted Polygon's evolution as well, its work and its relationship with built industry professionals. So let's go ahead and start talking sustainable building practices during and after construction. For insights today, I'm pleased to welcome our guest and thought leader, Mr. Frank DeBose. He's country president at Polygon US. He's been with the company now for almost 15 years. Frank, great to have you on. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. Thank you again for your time. I'm looking forward to pulling from uh, that tenured expertise here and tapping into how you see the green building movement growing, how it has grown, and then how it's tying into some specific practices again in the industry. Before we get into that, though, can you give our audience, a, I guess, a small review of your career journey over those last 15 years? Uh, Which touch points along the uh, built process have you had? touch points with throughout your career, and how does that influence your perspective today? Well, it's interesting uh, to talk about the background of where, where I came from and, and some of the uh, topics or, or points you, you point out at the beginning of your, your intro. Uh, materials have changed uh, drastically over the time that, uh, that I've, I've been with, with Polygon and in the industry. My initial background started in coatings, and uh, as one of our, one of our services, we we provide uh, surface preparation and coating uh, conditions for ideal conditions in that coating coating proce- uh, process. Uh, o- over time, in, in the in the building environment, uh, those those coatings have changed as well, which has created a uh, a different need for different environments and different impact to the to the environments themselves. So, when you talk about kind of the evolution of what what we are, I've I've been involved with 
the environmental movement uh, since the beginning, 15 years ago. Uh, what's 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 drawn me to Polygon, or originally when when the company was Munters and the technology that we we like to uh, to use towards towards our applications. But in general, it's it's moving towards uh, a greener, uh, more environmentally friendly process. And Polygon has been a part of that since the beginning. And it's exciting to see that the industry is catching on and, and the movements are, are becoming more typical conversations in, in today's world with the materials, with the environment, with, with the impact on, on not only energy, but at the environment itself. Yeah, I mean, it's encouraging to see how standardized these conversations have become and the methodologies are now just as a, a basic part of the industry. I mean, I've been covering this topic now for three-ish years, which is a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things. But even sure. just in those three years, I've found conversations where, uh, you know, at the start were very you know, high level. They were a little more esoteric, a little more, oh, well, let's peer into the crystal ball and see how this will become a standard. Now we've moved on. We've graduated beyond that side of the conversation. And it's more about applying what has already been proven to be useful in more effective ways and in more thoughtful ways and holistic ways. Uh, so I'd like to now pull from your experience and also pull back even further. If we look at the green building movement over the last 30 years, uh, where have you seen this movement slowly ingrain itself as a standard in the life cycle of a construction project? Are there any key areas where this really shines? Well, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, the, the, the building itself and in the built environment, you, you have a number of aspects of environmental impact. I mean, the construction and building maintenance is, makes up 30% of the carbon dioxide uh, production in, in, in the world. And that, you know, when you look at how many uh, or how, how much this is related to, to vehicles or, or, or impact from cars, it's, it's very similar. So you, you look at the past and everybody has to make uh, choices as to how, how to be successful. And sometimes the environment has been in the past the, uh, the, the, the third thought or the last thought. Uh, you know, we have to be profitable. We have to build uh, strong buildings. We have to build, you know, the, the, the infrastructure itself has to be uh, lasting. Uh, these are all important steps. And, and it was a conversation early on. Everybody was interested in having the conversation about how these practices and the buildings would impact the environment, but it's now become a common objective. Uh, it used to be a conversation. It would be a much a harder uh, conversation to talk about the impact that our systems could could make on the built environment, how it could improve not only the health of the building, but the health of the environment by uh, utilizing energy efficient type equipment. This was all a good conversation. We used to have to really engage in a conversation about fuel usage uh, and the type of efficiencies that were needed in order to dry effectively or hold conditions effectively inside of a building to accommodate the different types of materials and, and the, the moisture levels that are in, in input into the, the process. It used to be solvents, now it's water. Water creates uh, a different environment uh, in, inside the building, a healthier environment. That leads to different types of environments that are needed in order to dry correctly. That that health of the building is is uh, contingent upon the fact that you've got good drying conditions and and lack of mold uh, growth for the health of the building and all of those things into consideration and how much energy it takes in order to dry effectively. And I say effectively because that's the important part of the internal health of the building and uh, efficiently with the use of energy and making sure the conditions are ideal uh, for the building process and. Those conversations over the past 30 years have gone from 
a few early adopters to company objectives. And there are certain clients that we work with on a day-to-day basis that they just use our systems because they're the right way to build or they believe in that's the right way for them to build. And now with the movement, uh, the ESG platforms, uh, the, the, the evolution of Architect 2030 into zero carbon building practices, these are all themes and initiatives that are that are demanding the conversation rather than trying to search out those that are early adopters. And, you know, what I think is key about the green building movement is how much it centers its three key pillars and really does a lot of work to guide the built industry to prioritize these three pillars simultaneously without having to give one up for the other. And those would be people, planet, and profits. And this also aligns with the EPA's pillars of sustainability, which are environmental protection, economic viability, and social equity. So if you had to connect the dots more for us, where would you summarize, I guess, some of the ways that this has directly influenced how the built industry and its professionals approach developing tangible best practices for their work, right? Basically, how do these pillars materially connect the dots and influence the strategies themselves? Like I was saying uh, previously, it's important that we have a healthy economic um, outcome of the process, and that those three pillars of people, planet, and 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 profitability, or or the way that the uh, the EPA states it, as well as economic viability, is it's interesting how those have changed. You know, and you you often look at the way things are sequenced, right? People, planet, profits, and you know, people. You would think that people are, are first, planet is second, and profits are, are are third. And I think over time, those have rearranged themselves a little bit. Where I think that the environment has has stepped to the to the front. Uh, you know, profitability always plays a part in these. We have to be, be uh, economically viable in order to to sustain those those practices. Uh, and people are always important as as well. And these are now equal in the thought process where where before I believe that there was some some misguided uh, levels of importance uh, on all of these and and today they're they're equal. We have to have profitable projects. We have to take care of our people and it's it put them into healthy healthy environments, whether that's in the building uh, process or into a healthy building. Uh, and we have to take care of the planet. you know there's there's a ton of different technologies that are that are coming up. Uh, this is this is the interesting thing about, not only the industry that, that we serve, because we're, we're talking about how we're drawing a, a construction process or a construction uh, project and, and the process of making a, a healthy environment inside that building. But now we're talking about zero carbon. We're talking about carbon capture. We're talking about the reduction in the amount of carbon that this process actually uh, produces in the environment and then how we can capture that and, and recycle it into, into, into savings so it becomes a, a, a net zero effect. These are conversations that weren't happening even six months ago. It seems like they were they were in the background. And these these themes and these um, these initiatives that have been talked about for years and years is uh, it's refreshing to see how uh, we, we've we've all, we feel like we've always been a part of that. We we produce uh, a product that is working towards the efficiency of the amount of carbon that's impacted into the into the into the process. So you look at that from the past and it would be, what's your price to produce this project? Now it's, what's the price? What, what's, the, what's the amount of fuel or how much energy is this going to take? What systems and processes you can put in place to control the equipment to reduce the amount of energy that we're, we're utilizing on a project? And then, and then the third is how much carbon impact 
uh, does this have on on the process? These are all different values of of the of the sequence of whether or not the the project's going to be successful from from an actual built environment to when the building is actually completed and what impact that has to people, planet, and profits. Well, let's analyze then how those pillars and those strategies are uh, evolving currently and in more timely ways. So recently we've seen ongoing and bolder commitments uh, from industry players. So this is everything from investments into new markets with a focus on sustainability in those markets. Uh, Also things like stricter, more holistic company guidelines for achieving sustainability and ESG goals, and even the appointment of roles that are specifically around this push, uh, like sustainability managers. So I want to break down some of these trends and get your thoughts on them. The first one is uh, the break into new markets, or at least markets that are seeing a lot of growth. One that comes to mind is uh, the expansion of data centers. Uh, you get even more granular and look at edge computing facilities uh, as the need for data processing closer to the source of some of these heavy workloads also requires some uh, manageable infrastructure and a place to house these servers. So I'm wondering how this is influencing new strategies for development, because especially when we look at something like data centers, that is a market that isn't slowing down. In fact, we see more companies invest in that space and probably a lot of growth as uh, different industries digitally transform. So what are your thoughts there? How is this connecting with this push for sustainability in the built environment? Well, each building and, and type of building, there's there's uh, healthcare, there's life science, there's, there's data centers. These all have uh, a variety of specifications that are necessary for the building to be utilized in its, uh, in its, um, intended purpose. And, and these are all advances on the type of specification, uh, materials, environment that they want to leave behind, uh, the impact that these companies that are building these buildings, uh, you know, that they have their overall goals to achieve the uh, net zero effect of, of carbon and reduction of, of energy use. It's, it's changing the landscape of how our conversations are are being asked of us, I guess, is the best way to to put it. it it's it's an odd it's an odd um, position when architects are specking things that we have felt over the years were good practices. Uh, it's it's refreshing to see the, the conversation about how we can uh, use smart technology to manage the equipment uh, and and how much use is actually taking place. Uh, it, it's in, it's impressive to see the the industry start to change and understand. Uh, the environmental impact uh, of the of the conditions inside the space and and understanding what uh, what's necessary and, and the impact of how much energy it takes to produce the specification inside that process or inside that construction project uh, to achieve the result. It's not just about having a comfortable temperature. It's about making sure that the temperature uh, and the humidity levels are correct for the sensitive items that they're building into the into the structure for its its life, um, and these are these are transforming into these these buildings needing to have these these uh, specific conditions and these these bill of health, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, this smart technology that's validating this data uh, that when they turn over this building, they know it was built correctly and in the right conditions, and the service life conditions were met during the construction process. So the the amount of failure, it goes down to even the amount of failure that happens inside of a building and when something may break. Um, and these all are levels of impact to the to the ESG platform that the more you can reduce uh, and 
compared to having to rebuild uh, if the materials last longer, if the building lasts longer before it breaks. These are all impacts to the to the carbon footprint that that these companies and these are smart companies out there. These are these are industry giants that are that are changing the world and and they're they're adopting these practices and the these ESG uh, goals in order to to be a socially responsible organization. You teed me up nicely there. Speaking of ESG, uh, let's get your take on how those internal goals have changed as of late. Where do you see various companies' internal ESG guidelines? Again, companies in the built industry, right? Where do you see some of their guidelines and goals getting more focused or a little stricter or uh, maybe even a little bolder, right? And why? Well, it's, it's, I didn't think about this previously before this conversation, but it's, uh, it's an image thing as, as well. Uh, it, it's, it's interesting to look back at just our organization. Uh, you know, we, we have big equipment. Uh, we have big trucks. We have to move things around that, that take, uh, you know, take big machines. And, uh, it used to be a conversation where we, we had numbers, number of years ago where, if we were to change all of our vehicles into hybrid vehicles, um, electric vehicles, um, how does that, how does that make you look as an organization? The, the, these are the types of things that are, that are interesting to watch happen over the past, you know, 10 years. Uh, it used to be something where we would be looked at differently as an organization. And I think this happens with the construction world as well. It's, it's transforming, uh, it's transforming quickly into the image of what kind of a company you are. And do you drive big vehicles or are you looking for ways to, uh, to be more efficient with the energy use of your own personal, you know, modes of transportation, the way that you, uh, view paper, the way that you view data, the way that you view, you know, how you operate as a business, uh, you know, trying to be online versus, versus plans, you know, architectural plans. These are all the, the things along the way that the image of, uh, the social perception of, of environment in the, in the built environment is has changed so drastically and it, it seems like it's it's almost parabolic where it's it's getting it's getting faster and faster as as each month passes something else to note you already brought this up is how much this is a social decision right as much as an economic decision and i i find that both of those coupled together thoughtfully are leading to uh, the ecosystem around the built environment taking note and actually using uh, your commitment as a company to your ESG goals as a metric for should we or should we not work with you? Should we or should we not invest in your projects, right? So tell me a little bit about how you see ESG strategies and some of their successes guiding uh, investor decisions and insurance provider decisions for companies in the built environment. It's uh, you can see it on a day to day basis on how involved the insurance companies are in uh, preventive and predictive technologies. Um, the, the the terminology is is there. They they want to reduce uh, an insurance company is is looking to reduce claim. They want to reduce risk. That's their that's how they operate. That's how they become profitable. And and there's always the balance, right? Like we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, there's always a balance between profitable and and uh, sustainable. Um, if we're not profitable, then you're not going to be sustainable, but we have to be balancing those two out into a sustainable practice that keeps us profitable and continuing to build as an organization to provide for our employee base and, and, and the, you know, the environmental community, the, the work community, it's, it's all, it's an evolution and, and a cycle, but it is being pressed on about reducing. It is being pressed on about preventing. It is being pressed on about predicting when those risks are high and how do we, uh, how do we mitigate those risks? 
Um, that's making sure that we have a healthy building. It's making sure that we have uh, technology in place that helps prevent or, or reduce a damage uh, when something happens. Um, one of the largest uh, claims uh, costs in the industry are, are construction defects, uh, you know, water damage on construction projects. These all things, uh, they happen. Uh, a construction project is, is a, is a, is a process. Things aren't necessarily, uh, a hundred percent. There might be, uh, you know, a loose, a loose fitting on a, on a pipe that causes a massive water damage. Those could be millions of dollars of, of time and energy and, and loss. It could be, uh, you know, during some a building turnover from a construction phase to to somebody living moving into the the building, and something horrible happens, and it, it disrupts their life, uh, it disrupts the 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 contractor's life, the insurance company's life. All of these things are are being pressed on how to prevent those, how to predict when those things may happen, how to uh, put technology and, and smart devices in place to allow for those uh, those risks to be mitigated or or reduced as, as much as possible. And, and to a certain point, hopefully they get to a point where they, they don't happen. Uh, even though we live in an industry of reactive uh, nature towards, towards that, uh, it, it's, it's a better practice for us to reduce those as much as possible for a lack of disruption to one, uh, the, the physical, you know, situation and two, just the economic and, and environmental impact that those things have from those, from those issues or, or damages that happen. And then the uh, last, I guess, set of commitments or strategies that I want to get your thoughts on, Frank, are some of the ways that built environment companies are investing in professional roles and careers to support this larger push towards uh, sustainability in the industry. Uh, so I'm curious, yeah. what has been the net impact of bringing on professionals that are specifically tasked with managing these sustainability goals? Has this been a challenge to integrate that kind of role and create the proper touch points in education? Has it been rather smooth? Has there been a lot of success and opportunity that has come from integrating these roles? What's your take? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's an interesting, interesting question. Um, and, and watching again, you know, these are all things that when you have these conversations, you, you start to see how, how vivid the evolution has, has been in some of these uh, scenarios. I'll, I'll just go to the simple uh, position of, of health. It used to be uh, we have to follow health guidelines to now we have a healthy manager, uh, health, health and safety manager. And, and now it's the, it's, the, it's the practice of people being proactive on, on how healthy of a, a, an environment you have for your, for your employees and the, and the projects you work on. Uh, this, this goes towards sustainability. Now we're talking about materials and, and uh, how do we reduce and recycling programs and all those things that are, that are now programs and you have managers that are in, in, those, uh, in those tasks. Now you have uh, new, new are these energy and uh, environmental officers that um, all a part of risk risk management and and being able to work with with a project with with our own our own internal um, you know personnel we we're looking for ways and and our customers are looking for ways to to improve that and when you have somebody whose whose strict focus is to walk around and figure out or design and talk with engineers and talk with uh, vendors and other other industry uh, partners on how we can reduce energy, how we can increase sustainability, how can we reduce, how can we build more efficiently? Uh, the the construction industry is is a fascinating place where efficiency and how we build large large structures are. It's it's amazing to watch that develop. 
And at the same time, it's not just about the efficiency on how they build, but it, in, and now the, the pressure and the, and the people and the, and the careers we put towards that, that efficiency, the sustainability, uh, how we can have a good conversation about what can really impact the, impact the environment and impact the, the effect of carbon on our, on our world that we live in. Well, like we promised at the beginning of the podcast, I also want to take this time with you on the episode to break down those healthy building practices uh, more granularly and get your thoughts on uh, some of their impacts, where you think they're being applied most thoughtfully and to what effect, but also where they could be used to even better effect, right? Any room for growth or where the industry at large can kind of improve its approach to these practices. So let's jump in. We're going to kind of go one by one here. I'm going to open the floor for you to give me your thoughts. Uh, but one of the, I guess, simplest, right? Maybe simplest in concept, but still very technical and layered in its approach is reducing the amount of carbon to the environment in the built process, right? Easier said than done. But what are your thoughts on how this is actually uh, turning into some specific practices? What has been the impact of the last 30 years of focusing on reducing the carbon footprint of the built process and anywhere where you could see improvement? That's a large question that I'm only a small, small part of. You know, we, we have a, uh, we have a process and an, and an application process w within what we try and achieve is, is reducing as much as possible, uh, using fuels that are, um, lower carbon impact. Uh, you know, if you're just using general electric, you know, uh, from, from house power or from, from diesel or from, uh, or from natural gas, all of those have different impacts on, on uh, on the built community on the on the carbon impact you know every little bit counts i mean we're we're a small we're a small piece of it the the temporary uh conditions inside construction projects and and the the drying practices that we're, we're engaged in every every bit uh counts we we engage in the most efficient equipment as possible we try and use those fuels that have the least amount of carbon impact the the the, the built environment the architectural community the 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 building uh the building constructors, I mean, they are trying to work as, as, as well in trying to reduce as many of those technologies. And, um, it, it's, it's a combination of, of what they're doing and just in general, how, how efficient the building process is moving towards that has that lowering of, of carbon impact. Uh, you, you, we would have to spend hours to talk about the different technologies in, in building. But from, from our standpoint, we're constantly trying to innovate and, uh, create tech, technological solutions that that drive that uh, that carbon impact down. Speaking of said solutions, uh, one of the areas that uh, has seen a lot of investment and has companies like Polygon supporting it is the technology approach and also just the general operational approach to environmental monitoring and control that then gives information on where to reduce use when necessary and also where not to reduce, right? Uh, so give me your thoughts there. How are you seeing this strategy of environmental monitoring and control influencing the success of today's ESG goals? Yeah, we've, we've been engaged in that from, uh, from the beginning. Uh, I remember the first time I dealt with this technology, it was, uh, you know, my son is turning 21 and I think he was, it was his birthday when he was, he was turning 10. And, uh, you know, we, we try have, we've tried to engage in, in utilizing the equipment only when it's necessary and being able to have real time data 
uh, for all of our practices uh, to make sure that we're not we're not using equipment when it's not necessary and wasting environmental impact and wasting funds on on fuel. It's a, it's an efficient, uh, profitable uh, approach and an efficient environmental approach. Uh, this is this is advancing quickly. Um, asset management and IoT platforms are are growing um, by the month. It's uh, it's an area that that smart technology has has not necessarily been adopted 100%. It, it's growing fast. Uh, smart technology is, is certainly in the home. It's in it's in uh, permanent structures. The construction and the temporary process of of building is is slowly getting there. When you start to look at Making sure that the equipment is running correctly and running efficiently—that's that's, that's uh, one data point. Making sure that the conditions are are met uh, to keep a healthy environment. So that that makes sure that the, the equipment is running uh, and and the environment is correct to to create a healthy environment for for the end product. And then being able to validate that data and and turn the turn the equipment off when it's not necessary is is saving in that efficiency uh, along the way. Uh, this the the tech the communication technology that has advanced over the last couple of years is really allowing us to to engage in that as a partner to the industry on how we can provide an environment that is correct for the health of the building, the health of the people, and the health of the profit of the, of, of the project because we can be more efficient with the environment that we're creating. As a follow-up, Frank, can you give us, I guess, a, a little elevator pitch on some uh, second layers of connecting the dots here. And this would be how you see environmental monitoring and control impacting various different, I guess, key factors in the built environment's carbon footprint. So that would be the the building itself, how that then impacts the community around the building and also that you know works or lives within said building. And then also the global impact of some of these reduced emissions how do you see this technology hitting all of those different marks, right? The building itself, the kind of larger community, and then the biggest, widest picture, the, the relatively global impact. I think we've hit on all of those in a, in a variety of um, answers along the way, but it's the predictive, the preventive, and uh, the preservation of how we approach uh, the beginning of the project to the, to the end of the project, to the life cycle of a, of a building, preventing uh, is uh, is a huge way of impacting the environmental picture, uh, preventing water damage, preventing mold uh, potential in, in the health of the building, and what it would take to fix those. You know, if you think about just some of the some of the areas where people don't realize, and 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 we start to have more of this conversation, is uh, imagine uh, a construction project or some sort of damage that happens to your to your home. Imagine the material that it takes to to fix that. Imagine the the fuel that's used for the contractor to come and, and fix it. And then imagine the waste that it takes to throw that away. And, and then the energy it takes to, to process the, that waste. All areas of if we reduce and we have the ability to predict and prevent, it reduces that whole global impact. Being able to use smart technology to control this, uh, it, you know, using smart technology to uh, prevent something from happening or to reduce the effects of something happening to the using um, smart technology and and the uh, the data that's inside of a building to understand is it a healthy building does something need to change uh, is this is this healthier for the for the people that are inhabiting this building is there is there issues within the building that are causing it to be uh, unhealthy and what what is the impact of that 
project to fix it. All things that if we have the data to understand um, how it was built, why it was built, the, the process and the efficiencies uh, during that process, the predictive ability to understand what's happening inside of a, a structure, and then the minimizing of, of having to fix those things, you, you can imagine the, the huge efficiencies that are gained and the percentage of uh, reduction that happens from waste to fuel to, to the carbon impact. And last but not least is also the connection between sustainability and the materials themselves. Uh, so choosing the right materials, um, finding ways to source the materials that is leaving less of a carbon footprint, maybe rethinking the materials entirely uh, to swap out ones that do have a large global footprint. Uh, give me your thoughts there. Where do you see the material choices uh, as well as um, implementation during the build process influencing the success of ESG strategies today? I can only imagine what, what is going to be evolved uh, in that process, in that technology of material. Uh, the materials that have uh, been used in the past, uh, how, how horrible they have been to the environment, to today's world that they've reduced that, uh, the, the, the technology of materials and, and the long lasting health of a building, uh, the environment that they're put in, um, or installed in the, the environment it takes to, uh, to, um, manufacture them. Uh, th these are all things that if we can remain efficient, uh, in the production of the material and the type of material, and it gets put into service, then we keep that as a, as a, uh, as a, as, as a thought in the future on how that impacts the environment, the materials will will be evolved. The technology will will uh, will evolve with all these materials. And uh, I, I'm not a material guy. I, I'm a. You tell me what what environment this material needs to be installed in, and we'll make sure that that's the case, and we'll do it in the most efficient manner. But what we're trying to do is reduce waste. I mean, the, as an example, with some of the technologies we've been working on in, in trying to dry roofs that are that are wet, we have a couple of applications we're testing that the amount of waste that would be needed in order to rebuild an entire roof on a on a warehouse or a, a large uh, facility you can imagine all of that impact but if we have materials that are that are strong and can last in and, and processes that we can we can uh, we can engage in that that reduce uh, rebuild and and can keep things in service for longer is only going to be a larger impact all right frank i've really appreciated all your insights so far i want to start to wrap up by intersecting Polygon a little more specifically. You've already done that for us and explained some of the uh, services and solutions that Polygon focuses on, uh, but I want to get, a, I guess, a more general analysis of how Polygons work and uh, your analysis of the key areas where sustainable investments are most useful, um, how this is all adapting to meet today's sustainability needs and practices. So I'm going to get specific on a few more of these areas where uh, Polygon's work focuses. Let's start with energy efficiency. This is a, a core aspect of your services and solutions. Uh, and what I find, I guess, most impactful about energy efficiency is that it can be applied through all levels of the construction process, uh, maybe more acutely felt during the use of the finished building. But I'll let you explain here. Where do you see uh, energy efficiency in your work around uh, reducing um, the impact of energy use on the environment uh, playing into the built environment's ESG strategies? I, I can only imagine how much carbon our 
process has put into the environment, but at the same time, how much our decision-making with the type of equipment that we use and the selection of application, how much carbon we've reduced um, is the best way to, to put it. Uh, we, we engage in, in technology and buying equipment that has 20 to 30%, some, in some cases, 40 to 60%. Uh, and in some newer technology, up to 80% reduction in the amount of fuel that it uses and the energy that it uses in order to, to provide the same environment. Uh, it, we're, we're engaging in, in technology that, that is number one, trying to create the efficiency, uh, with the same, same product, uh, towards, towards the built environment, towards the, the environment or the spaces we're trying to hold or, or, or condition. I, every, every kilowatt of energy, every diesel, a uh, gallon of diesel every every therm of natural gas has an impact on uh, carbon reduction. And if you can imagine how much by buying a product that may be a little bit less expensive versus something that's more expensive that has a has a more higher efficiency over over time and and how long we keep our equipment in service, uh, it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty fun and pretty fun to think about how much uh, our our company has saved in carbon impact. What about indoor air quality? Uh, where do you see a focus on improving air quality uh, during the use of a building, uh, impacting uh, said building's uh, carbon footprint, and how much should that weigh in a larger ESG strategy? Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a massive um, health issue. Uh, we. we during the construction process, a lot of regulations have changed about the VOCs uh, in the materials, the the VOCs that are produced in in finishing a, a product, and what lasting effect that has to the health of the environment, the IAQ inside of a uh, completed structure, um, the dust particles that are from the material uh, are they are they damaging to to the building in the future and to the inhabitants during the construction process, and then and then further. Uh, all, all areas that uh, managing a construction process and the indoor environment from a from a proper humidity, from proper temperature, proper ventilation, uh, and being able to to use use those technologies to maintain that that health during the construction process, and then turn it over into uh, making sure that that building is healthy for for its inhabitants, and and making sure that that all those all those factors at play make that that life cycle of that building healthy and and long lasting. We don't need to spend too much time on this next one because you've kind of already uh, explained for our audience. But just as a quick recap, uh, another focus of Polygon's work is really leveraging analytics, both predictive and preventative. Uh, so if you had to, I guess, assess how you see your solutions as well as your strategies for implementing said analytic solutions evolving over the last several years, where would you pinpoint those evolutions and major changes? And what has been the impact on Polygon's work? Well, like I said, the communication uh, technology that has, has advanced has really helped us to understand wh what environments that we're we're producing to validate that that uh, that what we're doing is correct, that the equipment is working efficiently. All all data points that uh, if you in I remember you know 15 years ago when we would put a piece of equipment down, we wouldn't know. Uh, what, what was going on? We would rely upon our customer to call us and say uh, it's, it's blowing hot air or cold air. Uh, and, and now we we have the ability with with the technology that's built in. We understand exactly how the equipment's running. We understand the conditions that it's producing. We understand the efficiency that the equipment is is operating at. Uh, we can we can communicate with the customer when there's a problem. 
to reduce a, uh, a, a, a site call that maybe they shut the equipment down um, and they're going to turn it back on. Who, who knows what those factors are, but it reduces the amount of um, impact that we have by wasteful trips. The, the amount of data that has the ability to shut equipment down, turn equipment on, uh, restart equipment, reduce reduce the the amount of actual physical uh, need uh, to be on a project when when it's the when it's the environment that is telling us and the data that it's telling us what's needed and and in order to to maintain um, that efficiency on that on that project. That's that's cost to the to the project. That's cost to the owner. That's cost to the environment. That are all are all saved based on the data and the communication that, that these assets that we use, the environments that we can, we can, we can manage from the data that's being given to us by the sensing solution, the communication that's coming back to us. It's changing the way that we think about how we, how we operate as, as a, as a construction uh, vendor. All right. The last aspect of Polygon's work I want to highlight here before we wrap up is I guess Polygon's approach to supporting industries and more granularly individual companies that show to you that they have an intent to actually improve the environment and their carbon footprint, which uh, you know I think is important, right? That Polygon values partnering with entities that also have a commitment to ESG strategies. And I think that alignment makes for not only a better partnership, but better outcomes, of course. So how has that changed uh, over the last several years? Are there new industries that you see really committing to improving the environment that uh, you know maybe didn't have that as much of a focus several years ago. What are your thoughts there, and how is that uh, changing for Polygon? The best statement there, uh, Daniel, is um, what gets measured gets done. Uh, it, it's a pretty easy business phrase, but e- even in in these industries, yeah, you know, there there's always like I said, there's always been some early adopters. There's always been firms that uh, and construction companies and and architectural companies that have promoted a, a uh, forward thinking. Um, aspect to to these ESG uh, platforms, to the to the carbon uh, initiatives, uh, to the efficiency initiatives, but as you point out, um, we're we're having new uh, new ways of thinking, new new ways of employing um, people who help this process to innovate the thought to to people who have been in this industry for 30, 40 years, and this is the way we used to do it, to, to now this is the way that we do it. You, you see it within our organization. People think of a certain way on how they, they operate versus now trying to be more efficient because it's the right thing to do. I think the industry is absolutely changing. I think that these sustainability uh, managers, uh, energy management, all, all of the companies are moving in that direction, some some faster, some others. And just the social aspect of it is fun to watch on on LinkedIn or other social platforms that watching people display and be proud of all of the uh, different advancements that their company is taking on on the action towards their ESG platforms and trying to celebrate the fact that the industry is moving quickly towards this this impact on the environment. And I think with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. Frank, thank you so much for your insights today. It's really been a pleasure breaking down your view on changes to the built environment and its approach to sustainability, how those best practices are manifesting for today's timely needs in the industry, and how Polygon's work is intersecting with those changes as well. So again, for our audience, we've been chatting with Frank DeBose. He's country president at Polygon US. He's been with the company almost 15 years now. Frank, thanks again for your time. If folks want to find out more about some of your work specifically, or they want to get in touch with you or Polygon, how can they do so? 
certainly, uh, certainly check out the website and, uh, and you can, you can find the communication to, uh, to how to get in touch with us. Uh, 1-800-POLYGON is certainly a way that you can get in touch with us and you can reach me, uh, reach me by contacting our, our marketing department and, and we can certainly try and help you out. Fantastic. Frank, I really appreciate it. Looking forward to chatting again soon. Great. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you everyone for watching another episode of Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. If you like what you heard and saw today and you want to make sure you catch up on all of our previous conversations, plus you don't miss out on future ones, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And for all of those episodes, plus more information about how we are working with the built environment to support ESG goals and sustainability, head to our website, polygongroup.com. Again, polygongroup.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Ideal Conditions.